Let's talk about films and shit. Hey guys, welcome to Ghostface Net, the podcast where I talk some of my favorite films with some of my favorite people. And again, it is February, which is Valentine's Day month, and who doesn't love love? So we're back again talking another rom-com, and my mom is back. Uh, well, Catherine Garber is here with me, but I'm not allowed to call her Catherine or Kathy, I've been told. So thank you. Hey mom, how are you? <laughs> Good, how are you? <laughs> Good. Can I call you Kathy this time? No. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. I, I, sh- I shot my I shot my shot, and it didn't work. Um, uh, mom, go ahead and tell us, uh, what movie we're going to be talking today. Um, well, when we started talking about romantic comedies, of course, there's tons to pick from, but I decided to go with Man Up because I don't think it gets a lot of love and it's a really great movie. It is, it is. It's fairly recent. I think it's from 2015. Um, and actually this was one where, uh, mom, you suggested this to me and I did watch it. So for I don't think anybody else knows this, but me and my mom always are constantly suggesting stuff back and forth to one another. And about one out of ten, we actually watch, which frustrates the other one to no end. I feel like you'd agree with that, mom. I definitely do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this was one that that my mom watched, and actually, I think you guys liked it so much. I think you guys watched it like again, like fairly close to, and like you've like pawned this movie off on several people. Like, but like, have you seen this movie? That is very true. Yeah, I think we, um, well, we rented it like three times before we finally said, okay, we really like this movie. We might as well just buy it. Um, and then every time we were like, when your brother came up to visit, he was in, in college. So he came home. We we're like, oh, we just watched this great movie. You're going to love it. And he was like, oh, okay. And we put it on, but he liked it. And then I did the same thing with you. <laughs> yes. And it was, it's, it's a very, it, uh, I do think it's a modern classic. I mean, I just rewatched, I know you just rewatched it and it doesn't get nearly enough love like you were saying. And it is, I, I, oh, I do. I just love it. Um, and unfortunately we're about to spoil it for you because my mom's going to give a 30 second summary. But even after this, if you love rom-coms and you have not seen this movie, please go see it. It is definitely worth watching. It stars Lake Bell and Simon Pegg. Uh, it's, uh, uh, you'll hear why we love it when we discuss it, I'm sure. But, uh, mom, are you ready to do, I'm, I'm, I'm through talking. This is my guest time. Uh, are you ready to do the 30 second summary? I am. And I should warn you that I, um, I might be looking at the Wikipedia page that has a really nice little summary on it. <laughs> what? That's cheat. No, no, no. You have to close that. That's cheating. You cheater. I mean, you admitted to the cheating. You can use it as reference. But if if I go back later and see that I've just read the Wikipedia summary for this. <laughs> um, well, I, I do like how you like you preemptively were like, I'm going to cheat at this. Just a heads up. Well, it's very hard. I mean. There's a reason well, why I write novels and not short stories, and it's because I am very, I'm not very lean with my words. I mean, I am a lean writer, but I'm not that lean. <laughs> uh, all right. Okay, Mom. Um, do you want me to count you down, or would you just like to start? Yeah, sure. Okay. Oh, wait. wait well, which one? Uh, count me down. Okay. In three, two, one, go. So... The basic premise of this movie is that a couple is supposed to meet and have a blind date. And what happens is the heroine um, 
accidentally becomes the blind date. And so from that point, they start to kind of, they start to kind of fall in love. And because of the mistake she makes at the beginning by not saying who she really is, which um, I think we'll get into that a little more, it just kind of everything piles on. So her lie is okay for the first part Time. of the date, and then it becomes too much. Oh, mom, you, you got just over it. I know. That was a good, was that the Wikipedia summary? No, no, it's not. Okay. Okay. I didn't think it was because it wasn't as detailed, but uh, I think that was, I think that was a very good summary. Um, Actually, let's start because this movie isn't as familiar as like The Princess Bride, which we did last week. Uh, let it, let's dive a little more into, uh, uh, to the plot and the characters. Cause, uh, so the heroine's name is Nancy and the hero's name is Jack. Um, and I do like that they're older in this movie, right? They're in the, like, rom-coms tend to follow around people like in their maybe late twenties or, you know, mid to mid to late twenties. And Nancy's 34 and Jack is 40, which actually ends up being a part of a plot point because Jack thinks his, his blind date is 24, which is actually very funny because when he says that and Nancy's pretending to be Jessica, who Jack is supposed to meet, she makes this face that's very, like Belle is very funny in this movie. Um, she is. And I, I think that's a big part of it. Um, the fact that, I, I mean, it is very complimentary that he did, he did think she was 24. <laughs> yeah. He, like when she, when he sees her, he, he, he doesn't, he, nothing's awry. Like when he first sees her, like he, he thinks she's Jessica. He thinks she's 24. He thinks she's a triathlete, which is also something that's very funny. Like, and that, I think that comes out like at a part where they're like eating and she's like, she, Nancy's like stuffing her face with food, which I relate to. That's how I eat food. So I was like, no, I get Nancy. That's that's about it. Um, but you don't really see that very often because you do rom coms are very much for the young, and not that they're not young, but it it was nice to see like. I think I think because the basic premise of rom com is that it it's romantic, but there's a lot of comedy and a lot of fun stuff with it. And one point that Nancy even brings up a little bit later in the movie is that she has baggage. He has baggage. When you're 34 and 40 you know, this isn't your first relationship. And there are funny things that happen along the way as everyone has in their life. But there's also some big things that are that are on both of their minds. And so I think that's why they're a little bit different. And I, actually, I think that's why this this movie works so well is because they're not pretend. It's not light. It, it is light, but it's not. There's also some real issues there. Um, not anything heavy. I feel like when I say issues, it's something heavy. It's just like, they're they're two people who i mean maybe it's serendipity that it, it well it's urged on by uh by the real jessica but you know that they met they met for a reason right and i i think uh we should mention jack is also like nancy's telling the bigger lie at this point because she's pretending to be this blind date but jack is also not uh not quite telling the truth because he ends up bringing them to a cantina where he know so Jack's baggage is that he's just gotten out of this divorce and he brings he brings Nancy slash Jessica uh to a cantina where he knows his ex-wife will be um so Jack Jack's not like that's the other thing I like is that Jack's not like completely the innocent one in this like they're both which you, I feel like you do when you meet someone is like you kind of you you tell like little lies. Does that make sense? Like because it you does. want you you want to see more interesting. So that's what these two are doing, and they end up hitting it off, which is why at one point 
Jack still believing just uh, Nancy is Jessica. They end up leaving the cantina because Jack realizes what he's done and he actually likes Nancy. Um, and he, they they go somewhere else, but they are both lying. But you do that when you meet someone, and they do genuinely end up falling for each other, and then everything unravels from there. Especially when they get to the bowling alley, um, which right. has uh, the which uh, you guys just need to watch this movie because this plot is very like it's not difficult to explain. It's just like there's a lot of moving pieces in it. That it's just like, because they go to the bowling alley, and the bartender there is someone who knows Nancy as Nancy, and who's upset. It's Roy Kinnear, and Roy Kinnear is very funny in this movie, and he's, like, obsessed with Nancy. Like, and, oh. Also, this movie is rated R, and they use that R rating just enough that it doesn't, like, put you off. But they, they do use it just enough that you're like, Mom, like, this is, like, your perfect R rating. I know it's like this is a rated R movie because um, it doesn't feel like that to me. Yeah, I, I think um, before we get to the bowling alley, I want to go back to when they meet, and it's it's clear from the beginning that Nancy is not it's not her intent to pretend to be his blind date. But then he says her favorite movie, which we learn at like before in the beginning, we get to know Nancy first. Um, yeah, I was about to say let's her... go back and explain Nancy a little bit before we get yeah, to the date. So she... She is, um, she's, her sister has given her a list of mantras, which she has changed in her journal to be mantras. And yes. um, one of them is put yourself out there. And so when the story opens, she's at a, um, like engagement party for two friends and um, it's tiki theme, but she's in the hotel. She hasn't gone down to the party and she's up in her room. She talks herself out of going, changes into her sweats, and she's watching Silence of the Lambs and like doing the dialogue, lipping the dialogue along with the movie, which is really, really funny. And the only reason why I mention that now is because um, it's important later when she meets um, Jack, Jack for the first time. And uh, there's a couple of funny things that happen at that pre thing so that we get to know Nancy. We understand that, you know, she kind of tries, but things just do not go her way. And She's so, what I really like about her is the way that she does with her conversation. It's the kind of stuff that most of us, I don't know, I know you and I do this, Courtney, but I don't know if other people do, where you're like <laughs> talking and, and a thought comes into your head. Like when she's prepping to go downstairs, she's like, oh, you're, you're Ryan, right? Not that your last name is right, but you could be Mr. And she just like logically follows this. You could be my Mr. Right. And well, then she realizes yeah, how she ridiculous like, that is. <laughs> she she pl she plays the conversation back in the for back and forth in the room before she goes downstairs, which I've done before when I know I'm going out. I'm very much an intro. I I've never felt well, more called out than that opening scene of Man Up, to be honest. Well, also, like she's mouthing. That's, yeah, oh. it's just how she is. It is. And honestly, I think Nancy might be the most relatable rom-com character I've ever seen in a rom-com because, like, she's not – rom-coms, everybody tends to – like, she is a journalist, but she's not, like – she's not, like, an investigative journalist or, like, at the New York Times. They're very vague about where she works. And even Jack, he's not – he's a um, – he works for a marketing, average, online marketing, marketing manager. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's still like those uh, rom-coms. That's one of the tropes they tend to have like higher end jobs, you know, like glamorous jobs, but they seem to have like the realistic side of those jobs. Like there's nothing, they're very like normal people. It's not like, it's not like two rich people falling in love with, you know what I mean? Like that's, that there's something relatable about the both of them. If that makes, if I'm, I don't know if I'm explaining it right. Yeah, I think, I mean, they do feel like real people. 
Um, yeah. So so then when when she does meet Jack, I mean, she's ready to blow him off. She's like, what are you well, even talking about? Well, and wait, then wait, I think we should explain her and Jessica meeting because that's how oh. this all happened. So Nancy leaves the leaves the she had gone out of London to this engagement party. So they go back into London and on the train, she's sitting across from Nancy or Jessica, Jesus, that there's a lot of people in this movie. Uh, and uh, so Jessica is reading this book, One Billion People in You. And it's like one of those self-help help books. But that's how she's, that's how her blind date, who is Jack, is going to recognize Jessica under the clock tower at Waterloo, is that this six billion people in you. And so uh, Jessica's like, mum, uh, Nancy, mom, I can't do this. Uh, Nancy <laughs> is like mumbling to herself because she's right. Oh. This is another part of it. So her parents are having a 40th anniversary. It's their 40th anniversary, so they're having a party. So Nancy's supposed to write the speech, and so she's writing stuff down and I think, like, mumbling under her breath. And then so Jessica strikes up a conversation with Nancy, who is very kind of cynical and has, like, a very realist view of the world. And they go back and forth because these are, these are, two, these are two very different women. And so um, Nancy ends up falling asleep, and uh, Jessica leaves her copy of One Billion People of and You uh, with Nancy. And Nancy, realizing this, once the train stopped and she wakes up, she tries to chase after Jessica, and that's how she ends up under the clock tower at the time when Jack shows up. I feel like I explained it. Yeah, <laughs> like, she did. Yeah, and okay. I think the only thing is that she was talking to her sister, so she got to actually... That's right. Jessica that's right. actually gets to hear her. and. Jessica has said um, that she's going on a blind date and they're going to meet under the clock tower with the book. So Nancy does know that kind of going in that's in the back of her, I'd imagine in the back of her mind. But um, yeah, so I think she's ready to like say, no, I'm, I'm the wrong girl until he said he, he is rambling. He is talking a lot because he's nervous and he says a line from Silence of the Lambs and I think there's that moment you kind of see it a little bit in Lake Bell's eyes as, as the, you know, like in Nancy's eyes, like, Oh wait, this guy is someone who I kind of get. And so she goes along. Right. Well, and she date. never, she never outright <laughs> says she's the date, but she, she's, she's no. lying by omission because she never says she's not the date. Um, right. And, and he says, let's go get a drink. And she's like, okay. <laughs> right. And it's, and actually the way that, um, uh, Tess Morris wrote this script, um, and the way that she sets everything up, she's she's done a very good job. Um, because you learn a lot of you learn a lot about Jessica on this date through Jack through their mutual friend because the mutual friend that ends up calling Jack at some point saying, "Oh, I think Jessica can't find you," which because Jack kind of talks so much, I think because he's nervous, he's just like talking. And it's Simon Pegg. I will say Simon Pegg and Lake Bell are very fantastic in this film. Uh, they're, they're, they are. There's there's a lot of reasons to watch this movie, but both of them are absolutely great in this film. Um, so they're one. But Jack ends up talking a lot, so the lie kind of continues because Nancy, or, yeah, Nancy is never really confronted with it until until they get to the bowling alley later. Um, right. She and, never really has a chance to. I also think it also works into that that when her sister calls and he takes the phone. Yeah, and she's like, yeah, like a like an opt out, and he's like, she's fine, she's not, she's not with a murderer. I'm not gonna kill. Like he says something like that, which is very funny. And then the sister's like, wait, what? 
yeah, and it, but it works out well because her sister's like, okay, so now her family's not worried about her. They know that she's okay, which is kind of what you want. And this isn't a suspense. It's a, it's a rom-com. So we don't want anybody worrying that, you know, like someone in their family might be dead. So they immediately <laughs> kind of like alleviate that and just let us know. Her family knows she's on a date and they're surprised because she doesn't do that. And that gives us a little more insight into Nancy as well. And yes. I think you're you're right, too. And then another thing that this does, which is kind of, um, I know you said we talk about tropes at some point, but one of the things about any trope is that, you know, like, you have to believably make it so that people can't, like, the real Jessica can't get in touch with Jack. And so they decide, because both their phones keep ringing, to just turn their phones off and enjoy right. the date. So right from that point forward, they're isolated. They, you know, like, no one can can interfere and let either one of them know that they're not, you know, let him know that he's with the wrong woman. Um, but it's him who suggests it. So it doesn't even make her seem like she's conniving because she's not. No, it really is. A, like, it, it, and it is, it is because of that. It's funny that it's because of Silence of the Lambs, which is probably the most unromantic movie on the his, in the history of movies. Um, but because, because he says that line and then he, he quotes Wall Street as well. Um, right. Which she quotes back to him. And then late, it's funny later because um, the truth does come out and they actually, they, they have a bit of an argument, but they end up uh, connecting because they actually do end up running into Jack's, uh, we'll get to this a little bit later, but they end up running into Jack's ex-wife and her, her uh, boyfriend who she had cheated on Jack with and that was the reason for the divorce, but they actually have this genuine connection and then Jack decides, uh, they turn their phones back on after the truths come out and they've and Jack decides to go on the date with Jessica and he tries to quote Wall Street at Jessica and she just doesn't know. She's she's just like and and yeah, that's she, I think that's the moment you could see like Jack's like, Oh, I've I've fucked up and I've made this mistake. I need to, because Nancy does put herself out. It is funny too. Uh, we'll get to this in a I'm I'm getting ahead of myself because I do actually want to talk about uh Nancy being the the cynic and uh, Jack being kind of the romantic and the positive one, because that's kind of, I don't know if you agree that that's another kind of trope they subvert because it's kind of gender swapped because it tends to be the other way around in older, more traditional comedy rom-coms. I agree. Yeah. I do like the way that they switch it. And I think that's part of what makes man up feel fresh and different is because, you know, and, and, and also very real. I feel like it's also very realistic. It is a romantic comedy, but you know, like it's not always the woman who, has to bear the burden of being the romantic one in the relationship. Some women are very cynical about love and romance and some men just love it to death. And so it's like almost, it's nice that we see that swap in this movie because you don't see it a lot of times in movies. Yes. And you do see um, Nancy does the other, the other kind of trope, th this film subverts a lot of tropes, but it, it, it does other tropes really well. So this all happens in one night. Um, which I do kind of like those movies. I do like like one night movies. Those are always really fun to me because the action's contained and you do kind of have a you have a time limit on it. Right. Because at some point right. the night's going to end. And I, I do like that you have a un, you have an unintentional clock ticking down because at some point the night's going to end and then the next day is going to resume and then like the normalcy has to resume. But I do like that. Um, but especially because Nancy, it, this really is Nancy's story and her growth because before, 
after the can the second time they're at the cantina, which they have the oh, this was another part of it. So Nancy has this notebook which has her nantras in it, but also has just all her random thoughts and stuff. And at one point she writes writes black pant wash on because she has to wash her underwear, which is very funny. And that ends up being a little bit of a joke later. Um, but part of the that one billion people in you or Jessica's kind of parameters for the date that she had set blind date for her and Jack is that they both had to make a list and they both have notebooks. So that also that's also like a fate thing. Like it ends up kind of working out because Nancy already had this notebook um, as right. well. Um, and so they actually end up swapping notebooks, which is why they have to go back to the canteen after the truth's revealed at the bowling alley. Um, which is why that, uh, you know, but like this, this really is Nancy's story. It's Nancy's growth. And you can tell by the end of it, because after they've, they've both reconciled and there is that connection with them. And cause Jack decides to go on the blind date with Jessica, she had put herself out there at some point and then she realizes that Jack isn't there. So she just ends up leaving. Um, it, and you can see it because she gets to her, her parents' 40th anniversary and just like breaks down, which is a really, it is, it is, it's a nice moment. Um, yeah, it is. Um, but I think, I think what we, um, let's go back to, yeah, after I know I'm, I'm hopping around, unfortunately. You are. Yeah. Um, but when they, after they just meet and they have a drink and then he's like, oh, I know this bar. And this is where, this is where we start to get to know Jack's story because up until that point, we're really in Jessica's point of view oh, I know this bar, and they go and they're doing shots of tequila at this cantina, and um, the bartender knows him, and then a waitress walks by and knows him, and, <laughs> and she's like, oh, you know, like, do you come here often? And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, once or twice. Um, and they have their, they've done quite a few shots, but they're really having a lot of fun, and they are connecting, and that's when we don't know yet, but Jack makes the decision to leave. So he took her, he took his 24 year old blind date there to run into his ex-wife, soon to be ex-wife. Um, and then he realizes, I like this person. I don't want to use her like that. And they leave. But when they leave, they had, they had already switched notebooks and he, yep. um, we don't find out till later, but he leaves his bag there. So they go bowling and they really connect. And it's like, I don't think at that point, Nancy's not pretending to be Jessica. She's not trying to be a 24 year old who works in the city. Um, and if you're yeah, that's another US, funny joke. Yeah, just in the, the city. city is, the city is what they call the financial district in the UK because I didn't know that at first, but that's what that means. That means you work in finance, um, like big, like investment banking finance, not like you know you work in you're an accountant clerk. <laughs> oh, I actually didn't know that. I just thought it was. I yeah. thought it was like one of those, just like oh, she works in the like like you know like another like rom com like oh she works in the city. Like I just thought no. it was just like a big job. Oh, I didn't. I didn't realize it was like a specific. Thing. It is a very, very specific thing. So it's a very, very upwardly mobile type job. And um, but when they're bowling, it's just them. They're drinking, they're having fun, they're connecting. And um, I should say when they're at the bar at the cantina at Jack's cantina the first time, as they're getting to the end of the like the date, she's she's she says, there's something I have to tell you. And he says, wait, there's something I have to tell you, too. And she lets him go first. And he tells her he's never heard of Black Pant Wash, the band that she supposedly put in her diary, and then invites right. her to go go to the bowling alley. And so she, you can see she thinks about telling him at that moment, hey, I'm not your date. Uh, you know, I'm Nancy. But she doesn't. Right. And then I think she just decides, well, 
And she even says that later on. She, Jessica, Jessica was, was doing, doing so well. well. And <laughs> yeah. the way, yeah, I actually wrote that line down because the way that it's after everything comes out and the way that Lake Bell delivers that line, it's heartbreaking. I mean, it is because she's just like, she's like, you know, because he's, yeah. I mean, he's kind of understandably upset. Well, we should say, we should say how he finds out that she's Nancy. Mom, right. if you want to take that one. <laughs> Yeah, so they're having a really great time at the bowling alley, and she and they there's several beers in, and um, it's it's a really fun kind of sexy thing where they're both actually really good and they're very they're competing. Um, and so she says, "I'll go get us some beers." And when she goes up there, the bartender recognizes her as Nancy Patterson, and this is the first time that like you know like that we've seen this, and she's not even sure she knows him. And then he admits that they went to secondary school together, and she. And his her mom ran him over with a car, and suddenly she knows who he is, <laughs> sort of. And and he, she's trying to keep him from because he keeps saying her name because he's obsessed with her, and he's like Nancy Patterson, Nancy. Oh, Nancy Patterson's here, and she's like, "Could you please stop? I'm on a date, <laughs> and you know, like he thinks I'm someone else. Could you just keep it be cool?" And he's like, "No, he wants something from Nancy Patterson," <laughs> and so he tries to negotiate with her for some sexual favors and ends up with her promising to kiss him in the bathroom before she leaves <laughs> just to kind of get him to go away. And I don't think it's ever her intent to kiss him in the bathroom, but I no, think, she, I think she, tries to, she tries to rush Jack out of there at that point because yes. she realizes what, well, well, she gets the beers and she thinks it's like over. And then Sean, who's the bartender, he ends up coming over with like free nachos. And he keeps like my mom said, like he keeps saying her name. He keeps saying Nancy Patterson. And so like she pulls him aside, which is when she promises to kiss him if he if he'll back up, back off a little bit. Yeah. And then I think after that, she tries to rush him. Uh, rush Jack out of the bowling alley to get him away from this and to get away from Sean, who is very creepy, but Roy Kinnear plays it. So it's not like it's not it's not it's still creepy, but it's it's a very funny creepy. Like he plays it, it just perfectly. And if you if you if you look up Roy Kinnear and you've seen Roy Kinnear, we were talking about this yesterday, Mom. If you've seen Roy Kinnear in anything else, he's in the Bond films. He's like he's like M's like assistant. He's always very buttoned up and he's very like posh and he's very just like straight laced, which is why like seeing him in this movie is so like out of left field because you're like, holy shit, Roy Kinnear's really funny. Um. Oh yeah. But yeah. But yeah, so Nancy goes in the bathroom, and then Mom will let well, you take it from there. Well, she has food in her teeth, which she can't get out. She has like a jalapeno stuck in her teeth, which again just making Nancy even more relatable as a just as a woman on a date. And they were kind of they're flirting. Her and Jack are kind of flirting, and then of course he notices she has a thing in her tooth, and she tries to get it out. And you know that whole thing when you have something stuck in your teeth, and you're like, "Did I get it?" And no, no, no. So she has to go into the bathroom. I think she, I honestly think that she's probably forgotten that Sean would even be in the bathroom, but he noticed she was leaving, took his break early, went in the bathroom and stripped down to his underwear. Uh, <laughs> He's so waiting in the funny. toilet, in one of the toilet stalls. It is that is one of the funnier things. And um, so, you know, uh, she's trying to get away from him and he has taken her scarf, which is actually Jack's scarf and wrapped it around the two of them. And that's when Jack comes into the, bathroom because she was in there for a long time of course um and and for some reason like men and women go into each other's bathrooms all the time in this movie which i don't think is normal but no, it's very much a movie thing, thing like it, it is but you know what i noticed courtney is that in this movie 
all the big things happen in the bathroom. Yes, I did notice that as well. So I think, and they did, there's three scenes in the in different bathrooms. And I think it was intentional because that's the places where these three things happen. So this is the first time they're in, they're in the bathroom at the bowling alley. Her secret is revealed because uh, Sean just calls her Nancy Patterson right in front of Jack. And he's like, well, who are, what is going on here? And so she tells him, and I think there's two things going on with Jack here where he is he liked her. So he's mad that she deceived him and he doesn't understand why she would do that. And he, because he's in such a vulnerable place because his divorce, he's just got his divorce papers. He's just signing it. They've been going through it for like over a year or so, but he's not, he's just, he's still attached to that relationship. He's still hurt by what happened. So it just is like, they have their little, they have an argument and they get ready to leave. And when that's when they realize that he doesn't have his bag. She doesn't have the her her notebook that has the speech for the her parents' anniversary dinner. And that sets the, I guess it's probably the second act in motion. Yes. Yeah. And then, well, because so they, they race back to the uh, to the cantina, which they have an argument about that because Jack wants to take a cab. And Nancy's like, it's a 10 minute walk. Why don't we just walk? And he's like, oh, yeah. well, and then he said he has, I think, my favorite line of the movie, because she was pretending to be Jessica, who's a triathlete. He was like, oh, yeah, it's a 10 minute walk. Why don't you uh, run, bike and swim on over back to the canteen and we'll see who gets there first. I think he says something like that. Yeah. Um, and so Jack hops into the cab and then Nancy starts running and booking it. And so they're racing back to the cantina, which is another fun thing. Um, they both end up getting there at the same time, which I still think is funny. Um, because they were, they were both right, which yeah. which is how this movie is is that they are they're both they're they're both they're both on the same level because once they get to the cantina, they do have a moment where that I think that's when she said, but Jessica was doing so well, and then the ex wife shows up, and so Jack pretends that Nancy is his girlfriend. So I do like this because one lie begets another lie, um, right? And so now it's now. Now it's Nancy. Now it's Jack's turn to ask Nancy for a favor, which I do like as well. Um, so that turns very funny. And then Nancy pretends to be a, a firewoman, which ends up coming into play a little bit later because someone's arm ends up accidentally catching on fire. Uh, but yeah, I think there's, but yeah, there's so two we, things. Oh, go I ahead. I think one thing you said, I just want to say this real quick, is that in this romance, and I think in, in most romances, no one has to lose to get the other person, which sometimes right. like a woman has to give up something or a man has to give up something in order to have this relationship. But in there, it's very clear for in this that it, no one has to lose to be with the other person. They're not trying right. to put the other one down. Um, and I do think she's she goes along with it because she feels a little guilty. And I love that moment when you can see he's he's really emotional because she's the ex-wife has asked him for the divorce papers and he gives them to her. And then he's, he like gets up to go to the bathroom and the ex-wife and the boyfriend are talking. She's like, Oh, he's so emotional. He's like, this is his blackmail. This is how he tries to control me. And you see her, Nancy go realize like why this was so important to Jack and how, right. how, how many, you know, like she decides to like, I guess it's a turning point for her because she really sees him as someone different. 
Right. Does that well, make and sense? Then th- yes. No, I, I, I 100% agree because I think she kind of, she sees why Jack was so angry with her mm-hmm. earlier. I think she didn't really get, like, I think she was like, come on, you're just mad that I'm not the 24-year-old triathlete. Like, I think that's what she was kind of thinking on kind of a, um, uh, like a surface level. And then she does really get to see why, why that was something that Jack uh, reacted so strongly to because the ex-wife even says with the new boyfriend she says we fell in love and nancy was like well you had an affair and the 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 ex-wife and the boyfriend try to say well we fell in love and she's like yeah but it's still an affair so like it's still like she, she you're right she does get that more depth of jack in that moment and that's when she decides to help him because there is a connection between jack and nancy they do like each other from the get-go and that's right. why, I, and again, that's, I think that's why Jack was so betrayed because I think, because he is the optimist and I think he did see something in Nancy. And then he's, he's, I, I think Nancy's also, he's almost slowly turning into the cynic over the course of their night. And I think Nancy kind of sees that and doesn't want that to happen. Right. If that exactly. makes sense. Yes. And, um, and I love it. And then that next scene where she talks about where they are on the, um, on the sex scale kind of thing. On the porno, porno land. land. Yeah. Or, and then the blowjob paradox. That scene is so so incredibly funny. It is and, very funny. Um, and Lake Bell is like, she's going, she's like, the lines are, she's delivering them like rapid fire, but that's what makes it so funny because she's go she's like, she, Nancy's really quick. So like, she's just yeah. go, 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 go with this because that's what Nancy has those lists already. Uh, but it is, it's incredibly funny. Sorry, mom, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I didn't want to shout out no, to Lake Bell really quickly because she delivers yeah. it really well. Oh, it is. It's so perfect. And then, then, um, of course, because it, because the, uh, ex-wife kind of can, I think she has a little bit of regret. She d- asked for the divorce papers and he gives them to her, but he starts to get, uh, isn't that where that happens? Where she, he starts to like show her too much emotion and Nancy just like grabs his arm and said, Oh, this is our song. Let's go dance because she's saving him. And she even says that like, I'm saving you. She doesn't need to see your emotions because that's like kind of, she doesn't say it, but it's giving the ex-wife power over him. And he, and he doesn't, he's in a better position now. Right. And it's a very funny dance sequence to the reflex, but I think it's, it's Duran Duran, right? Yes. Yes, they have a very know, funny moment because so they both funny. start dancing at the same time and they both, like, I-, I can't even describe it. You have to watch it because it's really funny because they're having this serious conversation and then the but reflex an comes on. They're arguing yeah, too. They are. And then the reflex comes on and they both just start dancing. It's very funny. I, I like, it's a very, it, you're right because they're arguing. It's kind of an emotional moment. And then, and then Duran Duran comes on and they both just like bust out into like this dance that like, it's, it's just very funny. I, that it scene's is, always it, cracked me up. It's great. And then that leads, I can't even remember how, even though I just watched it last night, but that leads them back to the bathroom again. Something happens. I can't remember what. And... Well, Nancy says something to him. And oh, he, that's right. I can't remember what exactly she says, but the, yes, that's the second important bathroom conversation. So he goes into the bathroom to kind of get himself together. And it is quite funny. So she goes into the men's room this time and she finds him and he's just sitting on the closed toilet with clothes on he's not going to the bathroom or anything and just sitting there and kind of crying he's crying (laughs) he's not like sean he didn't just strip down all of a sudden and is like just waiting there (laughs) but yeah so this is the second moment so in the first bathroom moment is when we learn um 
Nancy's secret. And in the second bathroom moment, I think we learned Jack that, you know, like he doesn't want to be divorced. He, I don't know that he still wants to be married to his ex-wife. Actually, I know he doesn't. But, you know, like he bought into the whole thing. He said he wasn't one of those guys who had an affair. He liked the romance. And this is where we see that. And Nancy has to say, you know what? I was being cynical because I was with one who I thought would be the one and for six years. And, you know, like she tells her all her baggage. And it's it's just such a great connecting moment. And that's the part where we feel like before they were kind of playing and they were trying like trying to get like kind of hurt the ex-wife by their flirting but this is a real moment where they connect as where we see the the beginning of what will be their relationship happen in that bathroom stall yes and then that's when they they go back out and then she's he signed the divorce papers everything's done with the divorce papers and then the boyfriend who is really into nancy's porno land theory is like let's just do some shots and so they go to do another tequila shot and Nancy doesn't want to, they've been drinking a lot that night. That's another thing I noticed. They're drinking a lot. And so Nancy throws the shot over her shoulder, but she throws it onto the boy, the ex-wife's boyfriend's arm. And because they're at a cantina, I think there's like a candle or something. And he, so he accidentally kind of leans down and his arm catches on fire. And because Nancy lied about being a firewoman, everybody, the ex-wife's like, you're a firewoman, do something. So she ends up getting, the, the bartender tosses, hears that, tosses her the fire extinguisher. And she ends up uh, getting the arm off fire, like the fire put out on the arm. But she also ends up spraying the ex-wife with the fire extinguisher. And then that's, that's, that's the last we see the ex-wife and the boyfriend. It's a very funny, it's, it's a very funny moment. Oh my God. It's so great. And um, that's what I really like about this. And I, I don't know, it's not always true in all rom-coms is that the comedy really, it, it doesn't come from either the hero or the heroine being hurt or being injured. It comes from mm. something else, which I love. Well, it's very much a comedy of errors. Like it is right. very much it, and and this is this is like um, I I said this last week about Princess Bride, where Princess Bride is it it is a rom com, but it's very distinct. There's the romance and the comedy. Neither propels the other one forward. Where in this this is a true rom com in the sense that the comedy and the romance have to mesh together in order to propel the story forward. If that makes sense. It does. And I think the comedy comes from the characters, which the romance does as well. So it's just them being themselves that make the funny things happen. Right. And and rom-coms are so, there's they're so broad and distinct. I mean, I think we had had that conversation too. Like it's to find like a true rom-com, like even like we were kind of talking when Harry Met Sally is more of a, there's some rom-com moments in it, but it is very much a drama, like a dramedy. I would say it's a romantic yes. dramedy because it does have it's 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 it happens to have everything going for it that is a romantic comedy, but there's something kind of a little bit deeper to it. Um, not right. that rom coms can't be deep in general and darker, yeah. So and uh, Nora Ephron always really captures that really well, so that's a testament to that. But that's why I think like Man Up. I think if you're looking for a true romantic comedy that is just purely because the, there's a little bit of drama and there, like you said, there are emotional moments, but it's never something too, too heavy. Like it's still, it's heavy for the characters, but it's, it, this is a true, like a true romantic comedy. I hope I'm explaining that well. I feel like oh, I, I didn't. You but... are, yeah. Yeah. I think you did. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, so, then, I, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say when they leave that bar, the cantina the second time, that's when they turn their phones back on. And 
obviously Jack is really into, oh my God, Jessica's texted me and called me a million times. And at the same time, Nancy is saying, and we it, they're kind of talking a little bit over each other. And she's saying, um, yeah, this might sound weird, but I was thinking maybe you could come with me to my parents' anniversary party so I don't have to show up alone. But I don't even think he hears that really because he's so focused on this 24-year-old is still trying to get with him. Right. So, so I think that stems from, so part of Nancy kind of encourages him, um, in the bathroom. So Jack's encouraged by Nancy inadvertently Nancy's her own worst enemy in this moment because she's really, she's opening herself up and she said, Oh, uh, like you said, like come to this party. And like you said, I don't think he hears it because she's, she is trying to extend that olive branch of, Hey, we have this connection. Let's continue that. Let's see where this goes. And then Jack, having taken Nancy's earlier advice after that emotional moment in the bathroom, is just like, what should I do with Jessica? Should I should I go for it? And Nancy, I think, realizes he didn't hear her and says, yeah, go for it. You know what I mean? Like, And she really is her own worst enemy in that moment because she gave him that advice that pushed. And Jack's oblivious because I think he's, right. he's well, off this I- high of of having yeah. having had that closure with his ex-wife that... I think he's just like, let me, let me, let me put myself out there again and let me see how this goes with Jessica, not realizing that he think I think he's, I think he thinks that by kind of accepting Nancy's advice, like that's the best way for him to show Nancy. I'm not explaining it well again. I I, I hope that kind of makes sense what I'm trying to yeah. say. I also think that a little bit when Nancy tells him to go, she, is sacrificing her own kind of happiness in a way to let him be happy. Like, I think she sees that maybe he's not at the point where he could be serious with someone of his own age. Maybe he's still, sorry about that, still moving on from his marriage. And I think that, 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 you know, it does hurt her, but she does it because I I think it's what he wants, which she thinks he wants to hear. And it is what he wants to hear. Um, Right. So yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I completely do, agree. Yeah, I love it. Um, I mean, it it it's that little emotional punch that you kind of want because you're like, oh, how did he not hear her? Because her whole thing from the beginning has been to put herself out there, and she has, and then it kind of back, like you were saying, court it backfired on her. Yes, yeah, unintentionally, like you know what I mean, right. like, and I I think she sees that, and she, and I think it is it is Nancy's growth that in a way she's like, well, I've pushed him, the, you know, like 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 you said, like I like him, I've pushed him this way, I can't I can't be selfish in this moment. It's a very uh, it's right. a it is a very it's a very it is a, actually it's a very big romantic gesture because she's giving up this thing that she wants for him to she thinks he'll be happier this way, um, right. So that's her big romantic gesture. And then Jack gets a big romantic gesture later. So it does when Jack kind of realizes, cause he goes to meet Jessica again. Um, and they go on their date and then he, he says the wall street line, which she doesn't get, which is funny. Actually, mom, it's funnier now because she works in the city and she probably is someone yeah. in finance. So it's funny that she's never seen wall street, which I just assume all the big finance people have seen. Like, it just seems like one of those movies like that. You're like, Oh. It's it's a huge movie it's too. A, so it it is, but I think it's a generational thing, and I think that they're suddenly playing up the fact that these two. Could, I mean, she's not she's not mature enough for him. She's fun, but she's not really right. Well, she's a twenty four yeah. year old triathlete who works in the city. You know what I mean? Like it's just like yeah. it, it's very much. 
like, I feel like that always sounds really great on paper. And then, like, they start talking and they literally have nothing in common. And then Jack, that's when Jack realizes, I think it's right after the Wall Street line, because Jack realizes that that he misses right. Nancy. And then he tells. Because they're icebreakers, remember? Yes. Because oh, and they still, to look they at still, the journal. Yep. And J- they never swapped journals back at the cantina. So Jack still has Nancy's and Nancy still has Jack's. Um. So he sees that again and he sees the, and he sees more of the put yourself out. I think he sees the put yourself out there and the rest of her, her nantras that her sister had encouraged her to, um, to write. And that's when he's, he realizes, and then he tells Jessica the truth and Jessica's really excited about it. She's suddenly matchmaker because now she's like, you need to go get her. Like, and then she also, cause she also says, this also means I was right. So and like, she was wrong. When she- <laughs> Yes, and that Nancy was wrong. So that's also like a, it is very. I I do like just. I will say this: the Jessica. I think they could have played more as a villain, which some rom coms tend to do when they have more than one woman vying for uh, one guy's affection. Um, and they right. don't because Jessica is very likable. Like you do kind of feel bad when Nancy takes her because she's not. She's not. She's she is very much an op. She's she's in her mid twenties. She's still young, so she's very much this optimist that you were like in your early twenties. And then, so, like, you, you do kind of feel bad. And then in this moment, she's not a villain. She's not like, no, no, you're my date, which I do like. I like that they didn't pit. None of the women are really pitted against each other in this movie. Like, even the ex-wife and Nancy, like, they have that moment of butting heads. But that's because the ex-wife is being a jerk about it. And so Nancy's just like, hey, don't be a jerk. Like, that's what it is. It's never like, there's no there's no love triangle in this movie. No, oh. and there doesn't need what, to be, and I, I really like that they did that. Yeah, which I think they easily. I think I think almost a very much lesser writer would have veered towards that and said, "Oh, let's put let's let's insert this that trope of love triangle," which I'm not a huge fan of anyway to begin with. Um, that's a trope I'm I'm not a huge. Fan. I think if it's done well, it works, but. They're, like this movie doesn't need a love triangle, and they realize that, so they don't force it, which is nice. I agree. I agree. Um, and then, mom, let's because we're at the end of the movie. How does how does the how does Jack how do Jack and Nancy reunite? So, um, one thing about Nancy is that she's not on Facebook. She's not on social media at all. So there's no way for him to actually find her. Um, after he decides he's going to go after her and Jessica's like, yes, you need to go find her. But he does, she said, she must, you, do you know, do you have any friends in common? And he remembers Sean from the bar, um, from the bowling alley. And so he goes to, he, he, I mean, like it makes, you know, like why, but he, he wants having Nancy back is enough for him to go to Sean and say, Hey, you know where she lives. She's at her parents' anniversary. Can you take me there? And he's like, yes, I, you know, like, yes, I can. But he drops him off at the wrong street, at the wrong house. On purpose. And on purpose. And this, I think, I thought this was really great too, because it does lead to that big romantic gesture at the end. So um, he, it's a kid's party, a house party, probably, I would guess. They're probably teenagers. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and one of them was babysat by uh, Nancy Patterson. Um, and so he knows where her house is. And um, so all of these kids, like probably about 20, 30 teenagers are. And, there's a ton, of, there's a ton uh, of kids. Are running through the street trying to get to the anniversary um, to take him to the right house, which I, I just love. I think that's a fun, fun moment. 
<clears throat> well, it's the big, um, it's the big, uh, it's the big chase through the airport, which tends to be like the big, like, I do like that. That is one of my favorite rom-com tropes is like running somewhere because you've had this realization and it literally, it's probably something that could kind of wait, but I do like that, that you've had this moment of love and you don't want it to wait any longer. So you're trying to get there as soon as possible because you realize you kind of screwed up and... And I do love that run because they are, they're running through the streets and it's to uh, the, here I go again on my, oh, like the soundtrack to this movie is like all 80s, which is fantastic. Yes, perfect. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I so, love it. Um, go ahead. And, well, and then what, is Sean, what did Sean do after he dropped uh, Jack off at the wrong house? He went to find Nancy. And it's so <laughs> funny because the way the film is edited, you see... You see Simon Pegg finding the house and knocking on the door and Nancy is like had a breakdown at her at the party, a public one, and her family's trying to talk to her and find out what's gone wrong and you hear her knock on the door. So for a moment you almost feel like they're at the same house and then of course the door opens and Jack is at this party with a like a rave with a bunch of kids and there is Sean standing on the doorstep. So it, everybody's like, oh, Sean was the man? No. <laughs> so, Mom, I will point out, and I because I read this in the trivia last night, and I've only seen Silence of the Lambs once, so I can't remember. But I think that that the door the door gag mirrors a moment in Silence of the Lambs, um, oh, that which is another way. Yeah, because I think there's a part where Clarice goes to a house, and then you're, I think you see Hannibal. I think that's what it is, but it's, I, if I remember, I saw it in the trivia, which doesn't, which isn't always correct on IMDb, but, and if I remember Silence of the Lambs, like I said, I've only seen it once and it's been a little bit of time, but I think it mirrors that. So that's another way to kind of bring that full circle with the Silence of the oh, Lambs as well. That makes it even better. It does. Um, and then Nancy's family, because Nancy's not really talking because she's really hard. Like she's just, she's just kind of like, I think she's just numb at that point. So when Sean shows up at the door, they think that's the guy she went on the date with. And they, well, they're very like, well, they are very welcoming to him. They're like, oh, come on in. And then like Nancy's just kind of sitting there just like, you know, just kind of numb. And then Jack shows up and he comes through the window, I think. Um, he does. Yes. And then, and then mom, take it away for Jack's big romantic speech. Oh, so Nancy had already given this speech. That's when she kind of had her little breakdown. Um, and then... When Jack comes in, he's like, you need your speech, don't you? And she's like, what? And then like, let me, t let me give you your speech. And he gives her this speech and he tells her like all of the things that kind of like how he fell in love with her over the course of the night and why, you know, kind of like his speech is like, you know, you put yourself out there and, you know, like, I know my life will be not be as great if you're not in it. And it's like a really, really great moment. And then they have a kind of a running gag throughout this joke because um, neither of them have actually read that six billion people in you or six, whatever it is, million people in you. But they keep saying, yeah. what does it say in the book? Uh, oh, fuck the past. That's their big toast. So they, they do that, which is really funny. And it just brings it kind of full circle from the, the beginning when they had their first drink and they had that toast to the end. Um, and then the last time they're in the bathroom. Um, is where they're like kissing and making love for the first time at her <laughs> during the party at her parents' house. At the parents' house, <laughs> and that's that is how, that's how the movie ends. Um, but yeah, so and it is funny. Uh, like we, I'd never really thought about the bathroom thing, mom, until you said it. But it's so funny because the bathroom is so private, so it kind of makes sense. Like to get away from the chaos of this film, you go to the these places that are private to have these more intimate moments. Um, right. 
So that's also very smart uh, on uh, Tess Morris's part. I mean, it, this this script is really well done. Uh, and I, I know yeah. that me and my mom just went through and described the whole film, but you need to watch it. It is so good. It is literally like, I, it really is a modern classic in my opinion. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but I mean, it is up there with When Harry Met Sally and 27 Dresses and, you know, like all those big rom-coms. Honestly, it's right up there for me. I think this is definitely, I, I don't know if you agree with that, Mom, but I, I think it's a modern classic. Oh, yeah, I do. And I do think that, you know, like, yeah, it is classic because it's timeless. There's something about it this is. movie that's going to work forever because it's really about the basics of falling in love. And everybody yes. everybody has been there. Everybody makes mistakes, that kind of thing. And so it's nice to see that. Um, yeah, because I think, like, I, I know, I think we were going to talk a little bit about romantic tropes. But, like, one yes. of my favorites is that kind of... Um, it's not really deception, but it's just like, you know, misunderstanding. The unintentional. Who the person is. Yeah. It's misunderstanding. Yeah. It's unintentional. Like, and it just, they, they set this up and, um, actually we are, we are about to get to that. So that's, I just kind of want to talk about rom-coms in general because okay. uh, mom, you're a romance, you're a romance writer too. So this will work I out. <laughs> uh, so yeah. So I was going to ask you your favorite trope. So yeah, the misunderstanding, I, I, like you said, like the misunderstanding and the, do you like the miscommunication of it? Um, yeah, I just like the, the moment where the person just decides to go with it. And I think that's kind of, it's kind of like if someone's in a mask or when you're pretending to be someone else, it's, you can, you can really be yourself because you, you're not trying to be that person that everyone expects you to be. Instead, you're, you're this other person, like, like Je Nancy, she's Jessica. She can be herself because she has nothing to lose. If he real real right. if he doesn't like Jessica, that's okay because she's still Nancy. And I think that right. why why I like that trope so much is that people can be so honest about who they are, and it leads them to actually really fall. I mean, like she wouldn't have really fallen in love with him if he'd been her setup because she would have been Nancy and she would have been nervous and she would have been talking and saying the wrong things. But because right. she didn't have to be herself, she was herself. I don't know if that, that probably right. sounds confusing. <laughs> no, no, no. That makes, com that makes complete sense. And then later when everything, when he says, why didn't you just say who you, like, why didn't you just tell me? And she says, Jessica was doing so well. That, that plays into that. I think you've explained it really well, mom, because it does play into that. Um, and again, I cannot reiterate for like the 1500th time, like Simon Pegg is very good in this movie, but Lake Bell is the reason to watch this movie because she the way she plays nancy so relatable and she just also she's not british and her british accent is like on point like legit on point like yeah, mom you've been really living good. over there for for 10 10 years a little yeah. over no, about 10 years i <laughs> mean like fun. and you can kind of yeah you can kind of tell when like when you know like when americans do a british i honestly the british do better american accents than we do british accents it's sad sometimes well, I mean some of them do. Some are just like okay. Some of them, some don't. <laughs> yeah, but like, like, like Bell, like, and and I think, um, I think it was Simon Pegg who was saying when he was out promoting this movie that she kind of stayed in the British accent the whole time. Then they went to the rap party. She's, I think she's American. Um, and I think so too. Then she didn't have an accent, and they were all like, "What?" 
<laughs> like they were all like, what you mean? You're not British. Um, but like, like, like again, Simon Pegg is also really good. I love Simon Pegg who is an international yeah. treasure. Honestly, I love him, but <laughs> Lake Bell is so good in this movie. And she does, she, she gives Nancy that realism to them. And also another thing I kind of like, and then we'll get back to our romantic, uh, yeah. uh, our general rom-com discussion. They're also like, they look like regular people. Like, it's not like, you know, how to lose a guy in 10 days when it's Kate Hudson and Matthew McConaughey who are, you know what I mean? Like, does that make sense? Not that, not, not yeah. that Simon Pegg and Lake Bell are not, they're also, they're very attractive people, but it's nice because they look like, they look like average people. Whereas like, you know, you see like Kate Hudson and Matthew McConaughey and you're just like, well, I don't look like right. that. No. Like, you know what yeah, I mean? I, like, I know it. It is. It's nice because they they do. They feel like regular. They feel like normal. They feel like it could be you when you see that. I mean, like it, when you see How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days, you th you might think in your head, "Oh yeah, I could be Kate Hudson. I can wear that like satiny evening gown thing that she wears." Um, but then right. then you like if you tried it on ever. I'm not saying that I have done this, but if you try on those kind of dresses <laughs> and then you see yourself in the mirror, you're like, "Hey, girl, you could not be right. that person." But you have I mean, that feeling they, with Lake Bell. You could be Lake Bell. I mean, I get food stuck in my teeth. So, you know, like, that's very relatable. Right. I, <laughs> I talk to my, if I know I'm going out with a big group of people, I tend to rehearse some points of conversation. Not saying I've done yes. that or recently, but it does happen. And it's just one of those moments where, like, you rehearse jokes, too. Like, you hope that this certain piece of dialogue comes up because you have this great joke. And then sometimes that never comes up. And then you're just like, wow, I wasted that joke on myself. Like, you're just kind of like... <laughs> Um, it's not wasted you tuck it away for another time <laughs> that's that's true thanks mom mom when i go rehearse later i'll uh i'll be yeah. sure to make that little mental note um <laughs> so back to uh rom-coms in general um so we talked your favorite trope what do you what is your least favorite trope in rom-coms i i i have to say i have i don't want to like i kind of have written up a bunch of different tropes but one of mine that used to really not be a favorite is the reunion romance because I feel like if you have broken up with someone, if the relationship didn't work one time, how is it going to work again? A second time. And Yeah. And so it, it's like, I'm also not a big fan of when um, someone has a makeover and suddenly someone's in love with them because they're beautiful or they, by makeover, I mean, they've lost a lot of weight. They've suddenly put on makeup or they've suddenly... It could be the guy, he, like he's he's suddenly not a schlub and he's dressed nice and all of a sudden, ooh, I like you now. I think if there wasn't something there before or if you didn't change enough to realize something different about the person, then I, I just can't buy into that romance. And I don't think just changing how you look is enough to make someone fall in love with you. And if it is, right. that person's too shallow. I mean, I, I guess I have a very strong opinion on this. <laughs> no, there is almost, I think <laughs> there is almost, there's, there is a, the, obviously... It's one of those tropes that, like, I think you can kind of see. I, I, I do kind of see both sides because obviously, like, attraction is the big thing. But it is also one of those things. Like, if they didn't like you, if they knew you and didn't like you for who you were before, then right. I think that I think that's what you're really getting at. Like, it, it, it really is, is yeah. the like, like, like that person's been there the whole time, and you like. I do kind of hate that with like the best friends thing, and suddenly one of the best friends has this makeover. And then that's when the other ones like suddenly realizes their feel like, like what you said, like, it is just like, well, you've known this person for a while and there's a reason your best friends. Like, why is it just now like this physical thing that's right. changed? 
Um, I, I, I do think there's, um, I'm trying to think like, can't buy me love. That was a, a teenage, uh, rom-com when I was in the eighties. Um, and that one does it kind of well because they don't like each other. And, and he is, he, he like is giving her money. She's really popular to, to like, and so he, he buys her to date him and make him more popular at school. And over the course of that relationship, they start to like each other. She doesn't like him because suddenly he's attractive, although from the outside, it would look that way. But it's more like they get to know each other and they like each other despite the things, despite this popularity. And I think that works well. But I right. think you have to really make sure that the characters are likable and they have to have some growth and see some change. Right. Actually, Mom, we'll talk about the flip side of that. That doesn't do it well because I did. I tried to. I tried to get you to watch Just Friends over Christmas, which is also technically a rom com. Uh, yes. Like by the by the most basic definition of a rom com, and that does that does that trope that you that you're not a huge fan of, kind of in the worst way. It does. Yeah. I mean, I love. I. I I mean, we've talked about this, so you know my feelings on it. I do like the idea of somebody who who was. I, I wouldn't have minded the setup of that movie if she had if she had been had more depth to her. If it hadn't been yes. just like, oh, he's super attractive now and he's really rich and successful. Okay, now I like him because she never right. got and he's lost like, all that weight and now he looks like right. Ryan Reynolds now. Right. Yeah. No, not to not to no. interrupt, but like 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 it is it is like and the the thing about just friends it, it and the thing I kind of which we I think we also kind of talked about this because mom I could tell like halfway through I was like you don't like this movie let's just turn it off you're like no you like it and I was like I've seen it a million times let's just turn it off um, it is very everything about it's very surface level um, mm -hmm. and and they they they're both kind of horrible people so they end up together so that's kind of why i like it cuz they neither of the i don't think she's super horrible but she's not she's not like you don't feel bad that she ends up with him does that make sense right yeah you wouldn't want her to be with a decent guy because she's not a decent person <laughs> she's not a decent person but i think i think he's a little because because of how he grew up he very much has this huge chip on his shoulder so that's just how he is and then it is very like typical ryan reynolds in that movie that movie's more of ryan reynolds kind of got to riff a lot um is what it feels like a little bit um which works, but I think, like you said, like you have to have a better character to balance them out. Actually, we, we also talked about this. It works really well in the proposal, right? Um, with him and Sandra Bullock, uh, because Sandra Bullock, they give her her character, who who is kind of not a decent person because she blackmails her assistant into into marrying her so she can stay in the country. Um, but she she gives it like like you said, she has that depth that I think you were looking for. Yeah, like you were saying, Sandra Bullock's character isn't on the surface, very likable, but she, um, one of the things I think she brings as an actress and brings to that character is a certain heart. So even though as we see, because, because she has a, a change. And so I think she also makes Ryan Reynolds more likable, his character more likable in the movie. He has a wonderful family. He's kind of got a contentious relationship with his father, but because of the way we see him through Sandra Bullock, as she's starting to fall in love with him, it makes him likable too. And so then they end up together. But of course, that's not my makeover plot. That's my other favorite plot, Office Romance. Mom, mom, 
Mom, you're like, Mom, I feel like rom-coms have a lot of things like, because, because especially because romance is something that you, you, you work around and you really love. Obviously, I don't think you'd be a romance writer if you didn't love romance. Um, no. That it's, it is because I feel like rom-coms are a delicate balance for you, if that makes sense. Because like, I, we've had this discussion too, where, well, actually this gets into another question I kind of had as a romance writer what is it what there's there's differences between romance novels and rom-coms um and what 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 do you think like the distinct difference between a romance novel and a rom-com is let me get to that first well i think when you i mean it's the difference between a movie and a book isn't it it's like you get that deeper emotional connection and you get to delve into other things um, that sometimes you can't delve into in movies. I think a really good rom-com movie versus a rom- romantic novel, there probably isn't very much different. They're both so satisfying and you get something good from it. It's when you get a badly written book or a novel or movie that you then you start picking it apart and you see the cliches because they don't work. There's no payoff where you see the stereotypes where it's, like you said, that running running when you realize you love somebody because... Um, Rebel Wilson in her like movie last year. I can't think of the name of it. Oh, um, isn't it romantic? That was so perfect because she took all of those kind of things that are stereotypes in movies and romantic rom-coms and she made, she twisted them all. And I loved it. It was really, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And mom, um, what, uh, because I know for me and I think for you, because we've had this discussion as well. A lot of rom-coms I love until the last, like, until the end, until, like, the 30 minutes, because some yeah. rom-coms I feel like are really great, and then they don't know. Uh, and then their endings are just, the characters either, I think the best example is How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, because I yeah. really love that movie for the most part. Um, but in the beginning, Matthew McConaughey and Kate Hudson, because they're both playing each other, and the other doesn't know it yet, they both one says all's fair like they they have their all they're like their own mantras and i think matthew mcconaughey says all all's fair in love and war and kate hudson says yes i agree and then they get to the end where it's revealed that they both deceived each other and then kate hudson's really offended by it um and that's that's the dark moment in that movie and so that kind of cheapens the ending of it for me because they both played each other and they both said at the beginning of all's fair in love and war um, so kind of my point is, do you think, do you think it's hard to end a romantic comedy? Cause I do, I think it's hard to have a satisfying ending, especially you, you've set rules early on. So like when they don't follow it, Hitch does the same thing. I like Hitch up until right. the last 20 minutes. Um, I agree. I think the problem is that what I said earlier about Man Up is that in Man Up, no one has to lose for them to be happy together. And a lot right. of times what happens in an and what is unsatisfying for me and it's in you as well is that someone has to lose or someone has to lose part of themselves. So either they have to lose to the other person or they have to lose part of themselves. So Kate Hudson is really strong in the beginning of how to lose a guy. Is that how to lose a guy? Yeah, it's how to lose a guy. Today. And she's strong throughout the whole thing. She is. But then all of a sudden, when it gets to the end, he because well, they, they do have sex. Right. And then all of a sudden she's like, no, no, it, it's not. No, that doesn't work for me anymore, which cheapens her because she's she wouldn't be a different person. And I think the problem is that some people 
don't know how to do that conflict really well or that black moment really well. And you have to be vulnerable. You don't have to be suddenly not stick to your guns and not be the person you said you were before. You can still be hurt. We saw that um, Nancy in Man Up, Lake Bell's character, she she is really hurt. That black moment might not, it's not huge, but it is. When she when she's asking him to come with her to his her parents' anniversary and he just doesn't hear her, he's busy thinking about the, 24 year old that he could maybe get with and she she says no go you know it you know are you asking me for permission i think you should do what you what you want to do and and that is that is the black moment right there for her his right. comes a little bit later when he realizes he was what he did but you know like she doesn't have to suddenly be like any different than who she's been all along in that moment and i think right. kate hudson at that in that moment in how to lose a guy She's suddenly not that woman at the beginning who was so strong. Right. Well, because she, I think she's the one that ends up losing because uh, I, I, yeah. it's been a very long time since I've seen um, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. But I know she's trying to write an article and he's trying to prove, I can't remember what he's trying to prove, but I, I, think, I do think she tries to kill the article at some point, but at the same right. time, she did, her saying at the beginning, all's fair in love and war, which which they both believe that that's what cheapens it because you're like, you can't be offended when you told him that and you both agreed that at the beginning. And just because you found out he played, he played you as well. And then he ended up winning because I think he, he's he's in advertising. So he gets that advertising campaign. Can't remember why he decides to date kids. It's been a very long time. movie. Me too. But you know what? I was thinking, Courtney, 27 dresses kind of plays on that a little bit too. But they wrap um, it up a little better. They do. That's what I was going to say. So they're kind of playing on that, although they never really say it in that in that stark of terms. But it, it is very satisfying. You you do understand. You see, like when that article comes out about her, that that wasn't his intent. He may have started it that way. But once he got to know her, he never meant for that article to go out, even though it no, meant, he, would mean and, his big break. Right. And he does, he do, he does try to kill it. And the, I think the boss says, yeah, I'll kill it. And she ends up publishing it anyway. Um, right. And I, I think something similar happens. And I think her article ends up getting published as well, which leads to like the big party at the end where she's wearing that gown. That's like, like that Kate Hudson makes look really well. But if me or you wore that, yes. we'd, they'd be like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, yeah, no, I agree. Um, it's just it's interesting to see like I've noticed that a lot with a lot of the movies that I like most of the way through and then don't really like that or don't feel the ending is satisfying is rom coms because like I said the Child Lose Guy in Ten Days, um, Hitch, um, and then uh, What Women Want. I don't really like the ending of that um, because I seen it in so long I can't speak to that. I can't remember how it ends. It's been it's been a while, but I I know that's one of the like yeah, I, I can't I shouldn't really mention it because like I can't remember why, but I do remember I don't like the ending. Oh, I think Helen Hunt fires him so that she can be with him. I think that's what the ending yeah, is, right? Yeah, I, I, maybe I don't I don't I, honestly I can't remember it, so I can't. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> so I probably shouldn't. I should, no, 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 you're good. I probably shouldn't speak to it, but I know that's one of those. But it's it's just interesting, like that. Those are the. Those are the, the, that tends to be the genre where I like the movie for the most part. And then it gets to like the last 20 minutes and I'm like, well, that doesn't, that didn't work. Um, and really quickly, just kind of before we wrap up, cause mom, we've been talking for over an hour on rom-coms. I don't hate it. Go us. Uh, I don't either. Go <laughs> us. Uh, but, uh, just kind of rom-coms in general. Uh, 
but I feel like the soundtrack's a big part of rom-coms. What is a song that you think of when you think of rom-com? Because a lot of rom-coms use the same songs. And I, I spoke to this a little bit with Maddie last week, and we, and we uh, she had us uh, build our own, like, romantic comedy soundtracks. But, like, is there one song that you think of? Because I always think of uh, And Then He Kissed Me, like, from Adventures yes. of Babysitting. And then um, I also think of the, uh, the Best of My Love the whoa whoa like that always seems to be in rom-com so is there a song for you that like just that is all like very rom-com-y no that makes but sense. um yeah the songs you mentioned obviously anything that is like really lovey um I, I personally I like things that are more um like a a wink and a smile or you know like those kind of like standards classic standards from like the 30s and 40s that have been remade and another um, artist might do them but I do like the songs right. you mentioned as well and I like it too if we can get like when there's a new like a song comes from a romantic movie you know but I can't I wasn't prepared for this I don't have any songs off the top of my oh, head I'm sorry mom I thought I prepared you I did not prepare you very well um and then my my last question uh well I have two more questions for you um my last one I'd like to do with rom-coms is who do you think your favorite like romantic pairing or couple from like a tv show or movie like wh who do you think your favorite is hmm well tell me yours so I have a minute to think I mean my OG is Ron and Hermione JK Rowling can say what she wants. <laughs> they're not they're not tearing that up. Uh but uh, I I'll say from TV I really like uh Chuck and Sarah from Chuck. Uh I think they work really well. Um Chuck at times feels like a romantic comedy a little bit because of the way they play the comedy elements of it. Um yes. and their pairing. Um so I'd say I'd say Chuck and Sarah and uh Ron and Hermione. They're like I said, Ron and Hermione, uh, they're my OGs. So They're your OGs. Yeah, they're my I guess OGs. They're like Leia and Han Solo, if we're going back that far. Um, yes. And then from a TV show, I'm trying to think who I really like. Um, gosh, wait, I haven't watched any. I, I was re recently watching um, Star Wars Rebels, and I do like Hera and Kanan. <laughs> Mom, I literally was just thinking of that. I was, I was thinking, like, if I'm thinking recent, like Hera and Kanan, like, they worked really well. Um, they do and they're they're so perfect and it's not obviously it's not meant to be a romance at all so it's so subtle and just right there in the background which i really like that mom and then they start going towards something and then whoops i know i know that was kind of fun too <laughs> um i think um moonlighting back when it was before it was good when they had that whole little sexual tension between them that they were really good dave and maddie i think their names were um yeah Recently, I loved Chandler and Monica and Friends. That's not even recent. Um, I think, Mom, it's so funny you said that because we were, I was talking about that last week with Maddie. And I know everybody's always like Ross and Rachel from Friends, but Chandler and Monica always worked so well for me. Like they were better than Ross and Rachel, in my opinion. I, 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 I agree with that. And I think the reason why I like them so much in, um, is, again, they're, they're – they get each other's weird, like their weird parts make each other's weird parts almost normal. So yes, they work. And I'm not, it's not like you complete me because that's not it. They're both complete people on their own. It's just that together, their little weird things make them stronger. That's well, so I love that. I think the best example of this is there's an episode where mama, I do, I love Monica and Chandler. So you're about to hear a bunch of me, but uh, I did the oh. best, the, like to, to articulate like what you're saying about them. The best thing is there's the episode where Monica's giving massages and she's really bad at giving massages, but Chandler at first doesn't say anything. 
and then Monica, someone else says it to Monica, and she's really upset by it, and he's and he knows what to say because he says, you give the best bad massage, and that really, right. that was the right thing to say, and Chandler knows that's the right thing to say. Like, it's okay that you're not good at this one thing because... It, like you're, you're the, the best, best at, at not being best good, at being bad, <laughs> and that's that's Monica's weird. So like and, and like you like you were yeah. saying, like Chandler gets that about her. So I think that's the best way to articulate like their relationship because it does it does work really well. Um, it does, and that does placate her. Uh, not placate her. That's that sounds wrong. Uh, but it does it it, it makes she because Monica needs to be like you know she needs to be perfect and she needs to, so like he knew what to say and. He's like, that's okay, because you give the best bad massage. Like, so exactly. that's just, like, I think a perfect way to, like, example of our, of their relationship right there and what works with it. Um, you should know that Godiva has come in here and is now sitting on my lap, so if there's any barking, it's not me. <laughs> God damn it, Godiva. You know better. <laughs> Mom, that would have been funny if I was, like, if Godiva barked and I was like, Mom, I'm trying to talk. I know. Jeez. She's trying to get in on the podcast and she's trying to take it over. She is. She is. She, she has, has diva has in her name for a reason. She does have she strong does. opinions. Um, and then mom, before we wrap up, um, so what it, it is funny because I, I, you know, I asked you if you wanted to do a rom-com episode and you almost immediately did say man up. Um, so what is it about? man up just in general i know we've talked about it kind of at length but just to kind of summarize what is it about man up that you feel really makes you come back to it over and over again um like as as a rom-com and just a movie in general because i think you just like this movie as a movie in general as well i do i think it's the characters i really like how i i I now i've said this before but how down to earth uh nancy is like Mm -hmm. i can relate to her from the very first moment that we see her and there's never a moment where I'm like, Oh, that's, you know, like, Oh, I have to try to make that fit with my personality or who I am. I just like, she really resonates with me. And the fact that Jack is just a regular guy. I mean, I, I, as you know, from the books I write, I, a lot of times my heroes are billionaires and tycoons and everything, but I try to make them like real. Whereas Jack is real. Even his career is like a real normal career. And I think that that, that's part of it and and the family like her community like the family isn't a big part of it but when we do see them you, they're funny you you get why she's the way she is and you know that what she wants why, why she wants this relationship a good relationship is because she sees these other examples around her right no i completely 100 percent agree with you i they are this I, i'm telling you i think this is the most relatable romantic comedy and i think that's why it 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 plays into it, it subverts the tropes it plays into the tropes but it is so relatable that's i, I mean like i've seen this movie i know Godiva, you love it too i get it i got it uh sorry it, no you're good you're good uh um i know people are walking by mom they should know better should not be walking by no mom you're good you're good mom it's all good uh but yeah no it is relatable and i think that's why i mean i've seen this movie at least 15 times i love this movie like, it is one of those movies that I'm glad you suggested, and I'm glad I actually watched it, just bringing that full circle. <laughs> um, well, I, the other one I almost thought about was Crazy Rich Asians, which, of course, is the other end of the spectrum from Man Up. But again, very people that you understand, the, the re, there's something relatable. And even in um, How to Lose a Guy, Matthew McConaughey and Kate Hudson, there are things about them that are very relatable, which is why yes. those movies why are popular. And, and why... 
why romance works because it, it everybody falls in love and we might not fall in love with the same type of person or like someone who looks like Matthew McConaughey or someone who looks like Kate Hudson but everyone falls in love everybody wants to find love find someone to share their life with so it's it's just universal right no I completely agree and I think I think it's good to end on that mom thank you again or uh, I'm gonna I'm throw this in there Kathy thank you so much again for coming on my podcast you're welcome cheeky monkey <laughs> <laughs> no don't call me cheeky monkey uh, um, but thank you mom for coming on i knew you'd be down to talk romance i'm very i'm very happy we were able to make this work so and i do appreciate it um so uh this has been ghost facing it the podcast where we talk favorite films with our favorite people we'll be back next week with another rom-com um and until then i will see you guys then bye <laughs>